Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. This was the problem with the Corinth church. They were converts who are very selfish. I'm a Paul, I'm of Apollos, I do this, I do that. Well, there's a guy sitting over there living with his mother-in-law. It's okay, no big deal. Leave it alone. No, no, no. They hadn't grown. So much of this whole book was to stir them and direct them into that place called discipleship. Now, when you are a disciple, when you are a convert, both of these fit perfectly, you will do one thing. You will be serving other people. All around you, society tells you that you're number one, that you should take care of you first. You're told that other people's needs are to be taken care of by them and that you shouldn't be concerned with them at all. Pastor Mark will be teaching today that the Christ follower has a different set of guidelines to follow. You'll hear about the church in Corinth where the Christians were living some of that me first attitude. You'll see the chaos that resulted from that as well as Paul's corrective recommendations. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in 1 Corinthians chapter 16 as he begins his message, Addicted and Refreshed. The title is Addicted and Refreshed. Here are the top 10 foods that people are addicted to. Chocolate, french fries, candy, bread, ice cream, donuts, chips, pasta, cake, and cookies. Those are the top 10. I'm not sure they're yours, but probably. Irma Bombeck said this, I'm not a glutton, I'm simply an explorer of food. Well, maybe. Paul is finishing his letter to the church at Corinth, a difficult church, one of the most challenging he had. We've spent a lot of time going through that to see that a church is not perfect because it's filled with people like you and me. But he's finishing it, and he's going to make some personal comments. In fact, at the end, make it very personal which is an encouraging thing to us. He's going to mention lots of people who were addicted not to food, but to the ministry, to serving other people. They understood the principle we've been talking about, to love God and make sure you love your neighbor as yourself. We begin in verse 15. You know that the household of Stephanas, who were the first converts in Achaia, And they have devoted, the King James uses the word there, addicted. They have addicted themselves to the service 
of the saints. Now, this family were the first converts in Greece to Christianity through Paul. They were, as the Bible speaks, his first fruits. Right at the start, they had addicted themselves, they had devoted themselves to the ministry, and by that I mean serving people. Now, notice what we see here. The New King James says, addicted themselves. That word addicted or devoted, it simply means to persevere. They went for it. It wasn't something that was a side issue to them. If they had time, they would be involved in the ministry of serving. This is what they did. And they caught that, obviously, from the Apostle Paul, who caught it from Jesus in reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and those amazing Gospels. Now, they were addicted to serving Christ first, because that's how we all serve, and then his disciples. And the family had given themselves, it wasn't just them, it was their whole family had given themselves to the work of God. That should remind you, that word devoted, to the beginning of the early church. Remember, after Jesus was resurrected and went into heaven, the early church got started. And it was to take place of the body of Christ. This group of people that would be all different, all unique, but made into one body, would carry on what Jesus did in his own physical body by the power of the Spirit. This was said after Peter preached and 3,000 began to be part of that first church. All the believers devoted themselves. Same kind of a word, addicted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They were into it, to the fellowship, kind of hanging with each other, sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. Now, notice this young couple, the first fruits, are converts. Jesus said, don't just stay a convert. Be growing in that discipleship. And the Great Commission makes sure that we're not to stop at the conversion stage. So what Paul was going to do with them, and he had already been doing, is this next statement. You need to understand it. It's important for all of us to be reminded. Become an addicted, devoted disciple, not just a convert. This is where we have to continue to pray about all the new people that have come to the Lord over the last few weeks. Convert is a starting point for everybody. All of us, you started there, I started there. But Jesus didn't tell us to go make converts. He told us to make disciples. So pray that they'll get involved. And as that happens, that sinful nature, they can identify that, whoa, it isn't just about me, is it? No, no, you need to grow like these people had. Keep it in balance that we're not going to be concerned just about ourselves, but our growth so we can be more useful. This is the same challenge they had. This was the problem with the Corinth church. They were converts who were very selfish. I'm a Paul. I'm of Apollos. I do this. I do that. Well, there's a guy sitting over there living with his mother-in-law. It's okay. No big deal. Leave it alone. No, no, no. They hadn't grown. So much of this whole book was to stir them and direct them into that place called discipleship. Now, When you are a disciple, when you are a convert, both of these fit perfectly, you will do one thing. You will be serving other people. A growing disciple is addicted to serving others, not because you have to. Somebody sent me an email today, and they gave me a prayer. And they put, I'm sending this to you because I have to. Good. They were joking with me. Of course not. 
this couple wasn't serving the people because they had to. They loved it. They were devoted to it. They went for it. Now, look back at that first verse again, verse 15 at the end. I urge you, brothers, look at verse 16, to submit to such as these and to everyone who joins in the work, and notice the word, and labors at it. How many of you know that ministry is work? Exactly. But it's good work. It's healthy for us. It's a danger if people say, you don't want to join that group over there because this is just work. No, they were addicted to doing it. Sometimes Paul would appoint elders himself. But in this instance, Stephanus, his household, they voluntarily just took that responsibility. Paul recognized them, that they were humble, and he just allowed them to be servants. Now, one of the things that attracted Paul to this couple was the very same thing that you and I know. And I just want to say thank you, because we have a church full at all of our campuses of servants. Remember what Jesus said, Matthew 23, the greatest among you will be your servant. So Paul urged these people in the church to submit to this family, to this man. That's another great principle. And sometimes we forget that principle because we're kind of in a world, even more today than ever, we kind of want to do our own thing. We're already seeing with all the political things, nobody's submitting to anybody else. Ukraine's getting worse by the moment. Everyone just wants to do their own thing. I'm in charge, don't tell me what to do. I want you to see these principles. This is how a church functions. This is how a home functions. To have order, there has to be authority, and then there has to be submission. To have order anywhere, there has to be a head, somebody that's the head. Two heads is what? You know, two heads is what? It's a monster. Is that right? One head is what? Healthy, spiritual. No head is what? Dead. No head's dead. So in a church, who is the head of this church? God's the head of this church. It's his church. The body of Christ is his. Now, there's local people, pastors, elders, but God's the head. He's not one head. He is the head. He is the head of the church. Now, notice this statement. Submission is a loving attitude that wants to cooperate an action but it's more than an action. It's an attitude. Sometimes our dog at night, if she hasn't fallen asleep, usually 8.39, gone. But if she hasn't, we have to get her down. Come on, we're going to your room where you sleep. She's obeying, but the attitude isn't too good. You know what I'm saying, don't you? So if somebody has to say to you, I'm submitting to you, there's a problem. That's not submission. That's just simply a forced kind of obedience. Now, the church, we really don't have a problem. You guys are fantastic. In our world, we have a problem. Sometimes, even in the church, Paul had to write this. 1 Thessalonians 5. Now we ask you, brothers, to respect those who work hard among you, who are over you in the Lord, and who admonish you. Now, just that word over you causes problems with lots of people. I'm not going to have anybody over me. 
Well, then it's going to be chaos. There has to be an order. God established that in the home, in the church, in the family, in the world, in the government. Now, he goes on, hold them in highest regard and love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. So Paul would write to churches. Okay, God's ordained these leaders. They're not going to be perfect. They're like you. That's just their gift, Romans chapter 12. That's their gift of leadership. Or Ephesians chapter 4, elders, Timothy, first three, pastors. And as God orchestrates those people, Paul has to write the church to simply respect him. Now, he does it again in Hebrews. Let me read it to you. Obey your leaders and submit to their authority. Same principle I just told you. If you're not going to have chaos, number one, there has to be authority. In the church, simple. It's God-given authority. In the home, it's God-given authority. It's very simple. In our world, did God say anything about authority in our government? Or can we just go out and do our own thing? I'm not paying my taxes. See ya. No, he says in Romans 14, what? Obey those that are governing over you. Who set those people in place? God did. So he rules, he puts up, he puts down. So there has to be that authority. Obey your leaders, submit to them with authority. Now watch this. They keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Now what had Paul been doing to the church at Corinth? Exactly that. He wrote to them. He had other people coming back and forth from Corinth, giving him an update. How are they doing? The most quote, spiritual church, and yet chaotic church, because they were just doing their own thing. So Paul did this. And the last part of this verse in Hebrews says this, obey them so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no advantage to you. So God has designed leaders and he's designed followers. To be honest, we're all both of those. This submissive attitude must first be learned by the leader. Jesus himself is our role model. Jesus tells us in the scripture, I only do those things my father tells me to do. Now, I want you to see this principle. You know it, but if you're going to be a leader, people that want to move and be head over a certain area of the church. Look at this. A leader must first be submitted to God and others as a role model for those he or she leads. In other words, I have no right to be a person in authority and ask you to submit to me as unto God unless I am already submitted to God and the leadership and the elders of this church. You understand that principle? Now, where do we have problems? Where people move themselves above accountability, where there's no checks and balances, because our sinful nature likes power, and we're very prideful. So God put it in place. Paul was under authority. What did he call himself? When Paul opens the letters, what does Paul say to himself? I'm a bond slave of Jesus Christ. He's already submitted to God. Remember, numbers of times God said to Paul what? No, you can't go there, Paul. Paul said, I'm going there. I'm an apostle. No, he didn't do that. He said, okay. He submitted, just as Jesus did. Remember, we just sang about the amazing crucifixion. In the Garden of Eden, we see 
chaos starting because man didn't obey God. They weren't submitted to God. And so the second garden we talked about at Easter, Jesus was there. What was he praying? Father, to be honest, is there another way? No, there wasn't another way. He did what? He submitted his will. That's why we have freedom. So Paul understood this principle. That's what he's writing to the church about. And that takes chaos out of the picture, and it brings order back into the church. You know this principle. God loves unity. Satan loves disunity. And when we're fractured in a home, in a church, in a school, in a business, what happens in that whole area? Well, in a church, we get off the main thing, which is keeping the mission the first thing in front of us, winning lost people to Jesus Christ. Now, look at verse 17 and 18. I was glad when Stephanus, Fortunatus, and Achaicus arrived because they have supplied what was lacking from you. For they refreshed my spirit and yours also. Such men deserve recognition. Now, these three guys were addicted to serving the Apostle Paul. They understood how important that man was in their life. They were submitted to him as they were submitted to God. They were this official committee that was sent from Corinth to Ephesus to confirm with Paul. They were the one bringing, okay, Paul, here's the issues we see back here. What are we going to do? So Paul actually sends them back with the letter, and he said to the people back in Corinth, these guys are special to me. Receive them. They're devoted servants of God. Now, what does that mean? Well, here's the next thing you have to understand. We need to be addicted or devoted lover of all kinds of people. God didn't call you to love only certain kinds of people. Are we seeing a little problem with a, a basketball team in our world today? Yeah. That goes to the heart of what we've been talking about a long time. You can't be a person that's, well, I like this kind of people over here and this kind of people that I don't like over here. I like tall people, short people, whatever. Well, man, lady. No, no, no. All people. Jesus died for the whole world. So is there anybody here that would say this, though? Mr. Margaret, there's some people I'd... I have a little trouble with some people. Could, could, could I just sit there? Anybody here have some trouble with some people? Good. The rest of you are lying through your teeth. <laughs> you could stand and start naming them now. Don't do that. Because sometimes we're not too good a people, are we? And it's hard. That's because of our sinful nature. So Paul is saying... You guys go back to Corinth. This is a very tough church for Paul. This is not easy for Paul. These were not easy people. But he says, you go back, serve them, be addicted to them. The talented Paul, he had to have interactions with people. So what does God do? He's working this very difficult group of people. So God brings three wonderful servants to him. And notice what the word was. What did those three guys do to the Apostle Paul? They refreshed him. Sometimes we just need to be refreshed. Life is hard. And that's exactly what these men did. Now, Paul enjoyed this visit. Remember, he was a people person. 
He knew this, and you'll see that in the closing verses. He just mentions people after people after people. Now, this personal visit did a couple things for Paul. He was addicted to encouraging and refreshing others. Can I challenge you that with just be that? Be a person that refreshes others. I want you to see this verse I'm scooting down to in Proverbs. This is so important. Proverbs 11 says it like this. As you understand this, a generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. Now, when you're around people that are generous and are giving and fun to be with, how many enjoy that kind of stuff? You just love them. If you get a call to come over to their house, you're like in the car right now, aren't you? You're headed over because it's going to be what kind of an evening? An enjoyable evening. They're fun to be. They're not takers. They're what? They're givers. And I just want to say, you guys are givers. Thank you. You're giving people. It's wonderful to be around. And when the elders and I get together and whatever, we have all kinds of fun and we take trips together. Some of the guys did over the weekend and stuff. It's just fun to be together because these are giving people. Paul just loved these guys. They came and yeah, he was having some tough times. Remember, Paul very often was by himself as he traveled. He always tried to get somebody, but sometimes, you know, at the top, he can get a little lonely sometimes. And so these men came and refreshed him. Now, that's what you and I like. Some of us have had maybe this experience already. You have an old hose outside, and you're going to go wash your car. And you're washing your car, and pretty soon there's a leak. And your car's getting wet, but who else? You. See, you refresh others, you get refreshed back. That's kind of the way it works sometimes. That's God. He knows how to do that. God knew the timing, sent these three men back. And so it was wonderful. Now, notice, first they encourage him because they brought a financial gift that the Corinthian people should have given. He doesn't knock them. Notice what he says in that verse. Because you have supplied what was lacking from you. The church should have done it, but these guys just did it themselves. And so first, they encouraged him with his financial gift to help him with his needs in life. Then they encouraged him with their presence and their words. When we meet people, even in and out of church, saying hi, whatever, we can always be sensitive I like to try to do that myself. Sometimes I don't. I'm just too busy, crazy too busy. But it's nice to be sensitive that when you're greeting somebody or saying hi to them, if you notice, maybe the Spirit will give you a spirit of discernment. Well, that person looks a little discouraged. Just stop and say a prayer with them. Encourage them, refresh them. So Paul, three things, money. Second, their presence, just coming because it took them time to come. And as that happened, it was a beautiful thing. And then, of course, their words. Remember, we know if we're merciful, what will we receive ourselves? Mercy. Exactly. In the teaching today, Pastor Mark reminded you that just like in the Corinthian church, all churches are imperfect because they're filled with imperfect people. You learned that the Apostle Paul and his co-workers were intensely concerned with not just spreading the good news of the gospel, but to make sure that the Christians became more and more like Jesus. You don't have to wait to hear another message from Lessons for Living. 
Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com to access our archive of messages on various topics and books of the Bible. Subscribe to our podcast as well to receive updated teachings as soon as they're made available. We're so glad you joined us today and we'd love to connect with you. Feel free to contact us with your questions and prayer requests at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. In the next teaching, Pastor Mark will finish his message, Addicted and Refreshed. You'll hear about Paul's wrapping up his first letter to the Corinthian church and about all the people that helped him get through all of the difficulties he faced. You'll be reminded of the importance of creating partnerships, whether it be in your home or when you're working in the church. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark continues teaching through this series called People, Problems, and Practical Helps. That's next time on Lessons for Living. in a herd